Hello and welcome to No Country for Digital Ethnography. I'm Seamus. And I'm Deanna. This week we're exploring the topic of technology, representation, race, and gender. Uh, we'll be exploring the question around the issues of identity and representation within our respected research. Uh, as Alex uh, Golob suggests, people become immersed uh, within digital worlds, creating concerns around self-expression, authenticity, and wealth. Within digital worlds and digital platforms, pla uh, virtual bodies or avatars come to represent people, uh, race, class, and gender. Uh, digital worlds uh, manage race within affordances and rules made by the participants. Uh, through digital platforms, uh, people document, challenge, and advocate uh, racialized and gendered bodies. Within my research topic of craft beer, uh, there's always been a long history of the stereotype of the industry in the community around it being uh, white bearded men in flannel. Yeah. Uh, within various uh, Facebook groups, uh, both within Canada and the United States, uh, the overwhelming majority of the people who post and interact on these platforms are typically white middle class men between the ages of 30 to 60. However, uh, on the side of craft brewing, companies often depict uh, their images as diverse with multi-racial and gendered people in their social media postings. Uh, one group on Instagram called uh, Lady, Ladies Drink Beer Group uh, advocates for uh, craft beer and people identifying as women to both work within the craft beering industry and participate within the online community. Uh, this group appears to change the narrative around who drinks craft beer, as well as who are the tastemakers and the laborers around it. Uh, other organizations have uh, created online webinars, seminars to push women and other people who aren't always depicted as the as the popular people or the po people within uh, the craft brewing industry to advocate for them to participate within the community. I think it's it's really interesting to have this stereotypical image too, and then not really have the historical like significance of beer attached to it too. It's like this wholly commodified image. It's completely yeah. taken and has just been part of our current representation of what it means to be even like, even to be Canadian. It's like you picture somebody, a dude in flannel drinking beer. And I, one of the things about beer and especially craft beer is earlier versions of beer often depicted the lifestyle around drinking beer uh, rather than just looking than the beer or the people who make the beer 
And craft beer often tries to flip that narrative, and it especially tries to attach place, both within the branding and the uh, iconography of the like of the brand, but also, are you know definitely around its just entire image. Yeah, that's a good point because craft brewery is not talking about outgo and like party. It's talking about how um, it's kind of an art. It's yeah an important thing to do. Beer isn't just about drinking beer. It's about enjoying beer. Mm -hmm. So I'm just going to get into my research now. So for my research, I'm looking at indigenous food sovereignty in Canada. And I'm interested in how broader political and economic systems come into play and affect this relationship. To begin with, the ways that development has altered lands through pollution as well as through changing the landscape. Then there's also how this movement is permitted or changed through policy, such as allocation of land as property, inherently changing the ways that people move and interact and value the relationships to the earth. Finally, how the economic modes have changed the ways that Indigenous people engage in traditional activities on the land, how this has become synthesized to become a mixed economy, where much of the food in northern communities is traditional food. Many rely on hunting, fishing, berry picking, and other wild foods for their sustenance. But the ways to engage in traditional pursuits, uh, because of the alteration of the ways that people interact with and on land, uh, it requires capital to pursue all these activities at this point. So I find the subject difficult to engage with online because the importance of place and understanding the complexity of these issues. So I've been searching for ways that these traditions and issues are represented online. Um, one of the most prominent sources of online representations can be found through hashtags. As the Vanilla and Rose article about hashtag Ferguson pointed out, these symbols can be veritable fields to conduct research. Last week I posted some images which represent not only place, but also represent the way that memes can be used in complex, humorous, and political ways. So I think that ties really well with how everything is connected with, with the land in these ways, and it's a political, but also technological, uh, mixed kind of mode way. So I think of Paul Nadasdi's links with the abilities of Indigenous people in Canada to mobilize politically because of the ways in which they were forced to learn about the Euro-Canadian political system. And this ability has also continued to engage with alternate forms of resistance, um, as Benilla and Rose point out with the hashtag Ferguson article, uh, in the ways that social media is a space to voice resistance. Some of the larger Indigenous activist movements in the past few years have been, can be traced in hashtags from hashtag idle no more to hashtag protect the peel to the very recent hashtag all eyes on Wet'suwet'en, hashtag land back and hashtag shut down Canada. I do not think that these representations are without some issues as they often portray all indigenous people as a unified connected group, which is problematic because that representation can be taken too seriously by the uneducated in understanding the issues and creates an oversimplified, idealized, and often inaccurate understanding. Uh, many people think of Indigenous people as the noble savage portrayed by Rousseau so many years ago. I was thinking of this bit when we were talking about racialization in video games, 
uh, with the Nakamura article. So thinking of traditional ways in which indigenous people are often portrayed um, in regalia and with feather headdress, that kind of stereotypical <laughs> image. And their presence is completely absent in uh, futuristic games, so ap apocalyptic or in sci-fi stories, etc. Um, the realities are much more complex than this idealized version um, or this oversimplified one. I think that the hashtag NDN memes uh, shows a really unique side of this. Although occasionally it does have a uh, vulgar or sometimes it's posted by people who are not from the community, so it is sometimes racist. Um, it is often used by indigenous people to show their realities. And it's something that's not often seen in mainstream media portrayal. Yeah, that's kind of how I've uh, found the issues of identity and representations emerge in my research. It's really interesting looking at like the impact of those hashtags and how it has gotten people to mobilize. Yeah, it's well, like with the hashtag "All Eyes on What's Wet" and. There were so many protests and things that were going on before COVID-19 happened. Mm -hmm. I don't know how much it's still going on because with everything shut down, I know that um, a lot of development was still going on without actually being able to mobilize. Everyone was in lockdown. Yeah, I heard rather disturbingly that like in Alberta, the environment minister was talking about going ahead with building the pipeline during COVID because there's no demonstrators to yeah. resist it. It's like, this is the perfect time. We can just go ahead and develop now. Yeah. Like, oh, that's uh, really racist and really colonial. It's stupid. Absolutely. <laughs> and it's, it's really interesting to think about uh, how indigenous people are depicted often in things like video games, where it's often in the context of like of the Wild West in the United States. Yes, that is the most oftenly like seen depiction of indigenous people. I think in video games, like even I don't think that there's that many portrayals of other indigenous people as there are of like the Wild West. Mm -hmm. I think that is the most prominent one that you see worldwide i could be wrong like there are a lot of portrayals of indigenous people from like uh south america as well so like the incas and the aztecs and mayans but i think that that one from the wild west is just so ingrained and so idealized as well yeah and it often you know in a lot of ways it's very like monolithic and it doesn't you know, it depicts a certain image of them that is 100% not the reality. Yeah, we are all treaty people and we don't, we can't think of in the past or just being yeah. one singular group. This week reminded me of, I know there was a literary movement called Afrofuturism, which was a, a genre to include people of color within science fiction. And it was often written by people of color. And I, you know, I wonder if there will be a push for, to, you know, for more people to do things like write and and have these voices and these 
like voices heard. Yeah, I think so. I think um, white people are the dominant voices in society because they just have been the dominating force in society. Like, unfortunately, they have often had the power and they have therefore had the power to portray themselves as they would like in all the all the media that they would like as well. Mm-hmm. Do you have any other thoughts about how like beer traditions have been kind of thought about in has has that come up at all in your research? Other than just like dudes, have you seen like the history of beer at all? When craft beer began, it was it was a resistance movement against, you know, very influenced by like the 60s counterculture and bohemian bohemianism and it it was you know it was against this corporatized image of beer that was becoming this big globalized homogenized force and i i think in some ways craft beer is also has over its course of history has become very you know it gets depicted as as this image of just white men but i think that it is rapidly changing i i mean i'd be interested to see how the demographics of consumers in the within even just the last 10 years has just rapidly changed with more people being exposed or knowledgeable about beer and about taste and what they believe to be authentic beer I think it's interesting to like seeing women get back into beer because women mm-hmm. were the ones who started beer. They were the ones who would traditionally do the brewing. So then it has been co-opted from them and taken over by men. And yeah. now it's finally starting to see women push back and be like, we're actually the ones who started this, like with ladies drinking beer society. It's like, this is a tradition that we want to continue and we want to kind of put our voices back in. So now that it's this artisanal thing, it's like you see all the men doing it. It's like, well, women had a place in this from the beginning. Exactly. Yeah. So it's an empowering movement in that way too. Did you have any other questions or? No. Okay. All right. Well, thanks for listening, and we'll talk again next week.